This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast, your vaccine to the recent pandemic of Aston Villa podcasts. Joining me to discuss the fallout of the uh, defeat against Brighton, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome back. Hello. How are you doing? Not too bad after 24 hours of recovery. And also joining us, Mr. Phil Shaw. Hello. So how have you guys got over the uh, the Brighton defeat? Over it, yeah. How though? What's your process? I just, just, just don't think about it. <laughs> you have a little rant online, get it out of your system, and then just let it go. You were telling me something about augmented base chairs or something. What the hell was that all about? Yeah, I'm going to get a nice, a new posh chair for the studio with an, a built-in augmented base, so I can feel it. I can feel the bottom end. This just sounds like those four. Is it 4K cinema? I think I saw the last Star Wars film in that. Where they do the whole, uh, it's like scratch and sniff, isn't it? Where with they, a bit, you, with you a get, bit more, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you, you just think there's a little dwarf sitting behind you just punching you in the back when there was like a, I don't know, a lightsaber fight or something. It sounds like a Saturday afternoon in the whole tent. <laughs> and there was a big there was a big scene when uh, they go on that water planet and you go, oh shit, here we go. Because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Because you've already been squirted in the face once, and all you all all you start to hear is like, and you just get completely drenched. So that you're going for that kind of uh, chair, right? Yeah, it's going to be an assault on the senses. Uh, Phil, what have you been doing uh, uh, to get over this defeat apart from uh, stroking your new PlayStation? Yeah, well, you, you've basically summed it up there. Just <laughs> <laughs> after after I used the PlayStation to do a bit of a bit of weight training by lifting it up and down a few times. Uh, you've earned I, I plugged, it. Yeah, I plugged the thing in and, you know, sat there for a while. But no, getting getting over the Brighton game was easy. I mean, this this was Villa from 15 years ago, this game. This was fine. I'm used to this. You've got a point. <laughs> That's what I didn't like about it. I thought we were over all this shit. I thought we were on a new plane of existence now, but uh, evidently not. Well, it's a new plane because you're factoring in VAR now. Yeah, I, before uh, considering recording this, I went for a long walk around Mosley Bog, which... Uh, <laughs> Mosley Bog. Sp- speaking of shit. <laughs> hey, let's get a step off, bud. Oh, I like it around there. For, for anybody who hasn't visited, it's uh, it's like 
I mean, mentioned in Star Wars, it's like, uh, is it Dagobah where Yoda trains uh, Luke Skywalker? Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit like that, All, although it's supposedly influenced uh, Tolkien to write the uh, Lord of the Rings. I think it's more uh, influenced uh, Empire Strikes Back more than that. It's funny with Tolkien because you go around Birmingham and there's so many places that claim to be Tolkien's house. You think, did, was this guy like a property tycoon? They've all got them bloody... <laughs> Um, like they're called, like you know, the plaques on the houses. Like, you know, there's a, a hotel on Hagley Road that says, "Yeah, J.R. Tolkien stayed here for a week in this year." And you think, bloody hell, you could say yeah. that about like every guy, Greg's or something that influential people went to. You, you forget that he had his he had his university education over here. So clearly, Mordor that's that's only that's the inspiration <laughs> yeah. for Mordor. <laughs> that's definitely where he got the influence for that. All the nice bits, like the the Shire, all the Hobbits. That's all uh, mostly. But uh, yeah, Mordor definitely where you live, son. Yep. <laughs> right. Let's get into this game. We're not going to do a uh, typical format to the show. Uh, we recorded a uh, Q and A with the the Mad Few Facebook group, which is dedicated to this show. So we'll uh, take a take a few, maybe five questions out of that, and uh, play that after we have uh, discussed this game. So rather than the, the normal three points and everything, which we we did kind of reasonably a fresh one uh, and released that only a few days ago so uh, go back to episode 122 for all of that we'll just go straight in and talk about the game and then uh, before we go go into the selected Q&A points right going into this game I think in Match Club we discussed uh, the inbuilt excuses already and obviously the headline is uh, oh international fatigue you know uh, Douglas Louise has been away in South America you've got Nakamba and Shure in Africa but most of all Trezeguet because he's the the starter and then uh, you know even Martinez has made the trip over to uh, be with the Argentinian squad you've got Grealish and McGinn playing three games uh, Mings as well it's not looking good but then you then you then I'm thinking what's the insurance policy here I think well Barkley hasn't played international games Watkins isn't so those two will be fresh I mean you know in terms of other key players Conza Cash Conza and Cash I thought it was Barkley, that that's going to get us over the line here. Ref blows his whistle. <laughs> Villa get a free kick. <laughs> this is all happens in the first minute. Barkley pulls his hamstring, and then you think, ah, we've got a problem here. This is a problem. This isn't international fatigue. This that's not the excuse here. This is not why we we didn't win. The reason why we didn't win, I'll boil it down in three points. Really, Barkley going off injured. Villa not taking multiple chances. Uh, how many shots did Trezeguet have? About seven, I think. It, well, something it like that. Yeah, something ridiculous. Could and have also, had a trick, couldn't it? Yeah, and also some criminal defending. But uh, what do you think about the Barkley thing? We'll discuss that first. Not that you know it after a minute, but it ends up kind of summing up the game. Just all these little things that just don't go your way, and you think, is this going to be one of those days? Which it turned out to be, but it- I mean the only, the only problem with the international break is the normal concern is oh I hope these players don't get injured when they go away for international break. Well, based on the last two international breaks, the injury concerns always Barkley because he was injured in the international break, the the previous one, and was touch and go. I think it was Leicester, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. he was touch yeah. and go for that game, and uh, seemed to, you know he dedicated his goal to the uh, the physio. I think it was. And then this time, 
I mean, had, did he not warm up? Is that one of the reasons why it's uh, it's a bit of a strange one that he's the most vulnerable player when it comes to uh, around the, uh, the the next game after the international break? I don't know because you know they obviously do their warm up, but then they probably go in back into the changing room, don't they? At maybe sort of ten to three. So whether he's cooled down slightly or whatever it is, who knows? It's just it's just one of those unfortunate things. You know, everyone's just got their fingers crossed at the moment that it's not a you know not a bad one. I mean, these things it depends what grade. Uh, I think there's like three main grades. Uh. Yeah, and you know, if it's a strain, if it's a full-on pull, if it's I mean, if it's a tear, you hope it's not. Sometimes they need surgery. So they, they won't know probably till early in the week. He seems to uh, suggest uh, that it's not serious, uh, you know, from it, the news so far coming out of the club. But normally mm-hmm. the scan, you know, it happens on the Monday after the weekend. But yeah. so he, so I'm thinking, you know, if you had to uh, guess at this point, you know, I'm thinking maybe a couple of weeks. But, you know, we've seen players, was it Konza that recovered in-game? Yeah, well, he <laughs> pulled up, didn't he, in the uh, the half, and they're doing the heart, the the, the warm up when they come out for the second half. It was against Sheffield, wasn't it? Yeah. And he had, a, he, I think it was just a bit of tightness. Now, whether you know Barkley doesn't have a huge threshold, and he thought, oh, that's that's that doesn't feel right, and I'm off, or whether that was a full on, yeah. you know, really nasty one, because he kind of he knew straight away, didn't he? And it was like because it's not I'm as if he's off. running. Because when he's no. when if you're running and you pull up, that's normally when uh, potentially it could be bad. It's not the sort of thing that you you warm up for though. Probably whipping a free kick in and full pace within the first minute. So if it had happened maybe a couple of minutes later, he would have had his first few jogs across the pitch, and that would have been you yeah. know he'd have been up the match pace. Yeah, it's <laughs> his first involvement in the game, isn't it? Essentially. Yeah, it's just sod's law again. As I'm hoping they don't say, well, New Year for Barkley. Then you're thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, because that's seven games straight off the bat, and uh, it's a huge chunk. Well, whatever Villa say, add a few games to it. That's traditionally <laughs> the response, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you saw the the dynamic, really, of uh, what a Villa with Barkley is and what a Villa without Barkley is. It, it's a whole other level of expectation. You get a whole other level of Jack Grealish. It's uh, it's almost like uh, when you're putting petrol in your car and you're putting in super premium instead of uh, unleaded. It's a difference, uh, you know, in terms of powering the team. And as soon as he went off, I thought, I still thought we had enough to win this game. We should have. We should have had enough. But you just you just saw that the sort of the, the combinations in the middle of the park not there. In Traore just isn't quite. You know, we had like, fleeting moments, and obviously his deliveries for couple of set pieces were good but overall he doesn't he doesn't run a game like that yeah let's let's discuss the substitute first of all then so most people i think you're thinking uh, conor horahan's coming in that's the obvious choice isn't it yeah the the only thing i i remember i said in match club was um you'd said before jack needs a schemer with him someone to take the the creative load off and carry the ball forward so that was the only reason i could think that they would drop triori in because he can carry the ball forward conor very much you know, gets the ball passable like that. So I was just thinking, they didn't, they don't, there isn't a like for like replacement for Barkley from what he gives to the team. Yeah. So, but they didn't obviously didn't want to change the plan, which was maybe a fault. They should have had a, an alternative plan somewhere to fit maybe Connor in. They took their time thinking about it because it was almost like a committee meeting between Shakespeare, Terry, uh, O'Kelly, and Smith, and they actually played for ten men for a couple of minutes, did they not? Which was a bit odd. You, you'd think you've already got it in your mind if Grealish goes off injured. What you know? What happens if Barkley goes off? What happens? It shouldn't really take two minutes of playing with ten men to uh, decide what to do. Yeah, you'd think you'd know, you'd know what your reshuffle is. 
Yeah. So Truore never really got close in terms of scheme. He never was really close with Grealish. Uh, n- nothing to do with him. It's just the you know the way that kind of panned out. No, he he, he played very much as a, a one footed winger. It was uh, shades of Ian Robin how how left footed he is. So, but he did yeah. he did cut inside in his left, and he did have a good shot in the first half. He he didn't do bad. I mean, I've seen him getting slated online, and I think that's a little bit harsh, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I think he he's obviously a guy that needs games and needs to settle in and. Has had a bit of yeah. a stop-start, you know, beginning to his Villa career. But I mean, his, his delivery for the there was a chance I think that fell to Trezeguet um, from a great free kick. There was you know, the obviously the cross for the goal. You know, he had fleeting moments. He just he just he wasn't embedded in the way we wanted to play. Really, he just didn't impact the game. And it's the control I think that Barkley gives you with the ball. We never seem to control possession. Barkley gives you that little bit of snap with the ball and the drive when he carries it obviously like Jack does so in terms of uh, early doors I mean I think the the, the clearest uh, one of the, the Trezeguet efforts uh, was the one where his first shot was blocked that double uh, the double attempt but before that Watkins I think he had a poor first touch because that was a was a great chance for Watkins and we've seen him score you know harder opportunities tougher opportunities than than that one but the ball comes alive again Trezeguet gets his shot blocked and then the second one stands up for him and you just think you know I think it's I think he's obviously more right-footed than he is left if, if that's on his right it probably goes in I have no idea how he did it I, I really have I've watched that miss two or three times and every time you watch it you think the, the only way you could miss that one and even that would be a bad miss was to hit it over to hit it wide yeah it's like it's you unreal. just completely lost your bearings I mean, it, it comes at him fast. You're not expecting. Uh, I mean, it's it's coming back from a rebound essentially, so there is that uh, to mitigate uh, in his defence. Yeah, it and just ends up looking a little bit clumsy, which is a shame, really, because actually over the, the course of ninety minutes, I'd probably say he was our best player. Yeah, I was just he was the one I mean, guy who actually got into positions and showed willing to hurt them for being away on international duty. He showed no signs of fatigue. It was it was his most sort of potent attacking performance the amount of times he got it in his own half took it around maybe three four and then laid it off yeah in the first half especially it was great it's just a shame it was football and not rugby because he'd have had a few conversions but <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just wasteful in general and i think i think that the, the theme that began to emerge through the whole game was our, our decision making in key moments was was wrong unfortunately yeah, i mean Mar- martinez was very sharp off his line a couple of times yeah, that kept was. us uh, in the game early doors i think mings had an effort uh, where he didn't really make a proper contact so i think it was from a grealish free kick and the goalie sort of hooks it out with his foot doesn't he in the end you think if, if mings goes with his because does he head it i think it's a header and he actually can let it drop and just hit it with his foot and he probably scores yeah, and then watkins a... can actually try and clear the goalkeeper out and just go you know and be, try and be brave there and, and isn't it's a bit of a, a bit of a strange one when you see the replay back yeah yeah and then Watkins had another chance for a through ball from Grealish. That was a great passage of play. That was probably our best passage of play in the whole game. Yeah, so this isn't international fatigue. It's uh, unless you're talking about fatigue in terms of the you know the, the to explain the lack of sharpness in finishing. But I think it's really clutching at straws. This is a team that created a lot of chances. It was panic. It was sna- they snatched at almost every attack and play they had in the whole ninety minutes. It was almost as if. Th- the new Brighton were there for the taking because I thought Brighton would have been a lot stronger and put up a better showing than they did. I know they beat us, but I thought they would have really controlled possession and passed us off the park. But Villa came out with the right attitude for a change and the the, the created and got stuck in. But it was almost it was almost like they were so eager they couldn't. Every one of the Villa players were just looking to go themselves to try and make up for the misses. It was almost like they were playing 
in the last five minutes where you know where you're you're frantically trying to get an equalizer or something and there was there was, there was a lack of composure all through the game yeah. like Watkins chances he's been really if you if you class him as a finisher he's, he's quite a cool finisher but this you know in this game he was he was kind of snatching at things at the uh, i think the first half brighton had about 53% possession which is their actually average for the season up to that point which i didn't really think reflected the game because uh, let's say they they had better opportunities on on our goal but i think he had two shots on target in the first half which is what we had i think we had about 10 shots in the first half but the possession swang in the second half obviously where we we spent more time in their half just chasing that equalizer uh, i mean unfortunately when we got that equalizer early they scored within 10 minutes to go back into the same position but we still had plenty of time to uh, snatch it back and that's where you know we we had more of the ball but you know the, ultimately we had 15 shots and you know that's not bad but only four of them were on target and that kind of sums up uh, i don't think did trezeguet did he have anything on target apart from the one blocked uh, by their defender? Keeper didn't really have a save to make. It wasn't like you thought, wow, what a great save. He, had, and he made a couple of good saves in the first half, but he was slashing them up into the whole tend and putting them wide. And we just, we just, just, yeah, it was the again the final decision. Yeah, we had like 18, we had plenty of fouls against us. We had, you know, plenty of set piece uh, opportunities. Some of the deliveries were a bit uh, woeful, shall we say. I mean, the goal, the equaliser is a brilliant delivery from Trilore. Yeah. You've got to give him credit for that. It was Horahan esque and Konza's finish is like a striker's finish. It's a brilliant finish. And yeah. you think, you know, you've scored after, you know, in the first sort of couple of minutes of the second half, you're thinking at this point, right, the, surely the, the pendulum is only going to swing one way at this point. But really, as soon as, as soon as we scored, we kind of didn't really go through the gears at all. Uh, and as soon as Brighton got the goal, which is a you know, what I'm sure we'll come on to, was just a, a, a second dreadful piece of defending. I mean, it's a brilliant finish ultimately, and both of them were. Um, but then once they, we, we almost it almost just sucked the life out of us a little bit. And we thought, oh, we can get on top here, and we never did it. We just after they scored it, that that's when we started to look tired and kind of ment- mentally fatigued more than physically. But we just we didn't have the extra gear to go through, and we we chased it too much. I mean, when they scored that second, I, I actually felt we're not going to win this today. This is uh... it had that feeling with with other yeah. things that had gone on in the game. You just thought oh, we're going to pay for the missed chances here, and and you all, always felt that we we had another mistake in us, or they might have. A moment of actual quality, rather than you know, because both goals came from bad mistakes, but they did they were clinical in how they took them. But you thought they're going to have a really good little five ten minute passage of play here, maybe where they get a bit of confidence, and actually they didn't need to. So tell me, Phil, what was happening on their first goal? Well, I've I've had a look at the both goals, and while all the the headline criticism has been of Mings for the first one and Douglas Louise for the second one, I've been looking at uh, Manny Cash's position. Now, the only reason I decided to look at Matty Cash's position was because whenever the ball ricocheted through for Danny Welbeck for the first goal, the, the camera angle caught a look of Mings's face and it was just utter disbelief when he's seen Welbeck clean through. So that made me think he's expecting somebody to be behind him. And when I looked at a screenshot of it there, you'd expect your, your quickest right back, which is Matty Cash, you'd expect him to be the, the last man in case something like that happens. He's he's all he's about 15 yards inside the the Brighton half for the first goal and and it isn't even you know a, a measured through ball I mean Konza goes in and but I mean you've put us still up there but there's uh there's so many Villa players suck towards the ball on that left hand side it's a bit side. of a lucky break I think mm-hmm, that's what but, I said it, it's not a it's not a crafted through ball it's just like a, a block that goes into into Welbeck's path, path. mm-hmm 
Yeah, but we're not really holding a line, though, are we? We don't have any... Uh, it's not safety first. We're kind of... Uh, this is what happened against Leeds and Southampton. We get baited into the fight, and suddenly uh, the discipline goes out the window. And it has been a discipline and regimented organisation of the defence that's held us in good stead. And that's yeah. why we suffered at home, because we think, well, we've got to uh, take the game to these, and we should beat them in a firefight. And I'm talking about the last three games at home. And yeah. we've come up short, and mainly it's because of defensive frailty. Yeah, and then if you if you go to the second one, the ball runs all the way across our box. If you look, if you are going man for man, Douglas Louise's man is well out of the out of the danger zone, and it's Cash's man against the it's the left winger. Now I'm not getting at Matty Cash because he has. Yes, saved you are. <laughs> he has <laughs> sing, singled him out twice he, here. <laughs> he has he has saved us more than one occasion. But if you're going to sort of lump criticism on people because they're the sort of the closest man to the ball whenever the ball goes into the net you have to sort of you have to look a bit deeper and there's there's other faults uh, i think the second one is you're always weakest when you've just scored and that's just what happened football's like a game of cliches and this match is just like one big cliche well when he yeah. took the shot there was a brighton player standing in an offside position so what martinez had to do is just stand behind that player and said he's obscuring my view <laughs> Even though that would mean you'd go out the goal, basically, and not cover any of the uh, the goal, but technically you would have got away with that. Then again, Villa don't appeal; they're not, they're not switched on <laughs> enough to do that. But I, I think you know, as uh, as a defensive unit, you you kind of stand and fall together. So uh, I think the first goal, it's like, what the hell's going on? It, it was like watching Villa against Liverpool and how Liverpool defended. But this was it defending even higher than Liverpool were. It's just kamikaze defending. And it's playing into their hands because they've got two players who thrive on, uh, you know, playing off the shoulder. And uh, it's all right getting a three-run from the halfway line, but this is almost like halfway into into their own half. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's cr- crazy stuff. It's the setup of a team that have probably only had one training session together. We just didn't look prepared in our plan or what we couldn't see what the plan really was. But they know what they've been doing defensively over a number of games now, dating back to uh, Project Restart. So it's yeah. it's almost like they've gone away from whatever fundamentals and principles they'd uh, nailed down. Yeah, I mean, the fundamentals and why we've got results, especially like places like Arsenal, um, Leicester especially, have been, let's set ourselves up, we'd be hard to beat, knowing that we've got the firepower that can hurt people, which we have. We've clearly seen that on numerous occasions. But it's the it's it's the it's the the mentality shift almost when we go right. We've got to open the game up. You know, we opened it up far too early against Leeds and got taken apart by a pacey team. We did the same against Southampton and got taken apart. I remember when we played Man United after uh, after Project Restart, and that was the same. We're better when we're compact. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is here. It's normally your home games. I mean, obviously you have the advantage of the crowd supporting you. But also, you normally force the issue for the crowd to get the crowd going. But if there's no crowd, why, why do that? You don't need to do that. You can just, pl- you know, play a bit more, let's say, within yourself, uh, especially uh, when you're talking about, def- you know, you don't have to go cavalier at this to play to the crowd and get them going to turn them into an advantage. I, th- I think it's because we started quite sharply. I think they probably thought, oh, okay, w- w- these are there for the taking today. We'll get after them. And then it becomes a little bit sort of threadbare and you start forcing the issue quickly. Mm. Um, I, I really don't know. I mean, it's quite baffling. I mean, our home record is, we, we spoke about it in Match Club, you know, to lose four home games before we've, you've even got to the Christmas period. is We're is, including Stoke, by the way. Stoke in the Cup is, is, is pretty unheard of. It's kind of like, you know, like championship winning away form and relegation fodder home form. 
Because Villa are 100% away from home. This is why we're talking about why why are they, they are playing differently uh, at home. But there's no... The dynamic of a home game is not there anymore with the crowd. So it's pretty no. much... It, all games are almost like training ground setups. So why not just play your game? I, 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 yeah, I don't get it. It's quite confusing. It made me laugh because... Uh, uh, you know, we've made a thing about uh, how many teams were unbeaten away from home, and uh, you know there was four teams before this weekend that were 100. Uh, percent Villa being one of them. Only Liverpool had been unbeaten at home and 100 percent at home. So Villa are like three out of three away from home, and then you see statistics about West Brom saying West Brom have now lost four of their you know five away games or three of their four or as if it's some damning stat, and it's the reverse of what's been happening because everybody else is doing really well away from home. And you just think well if you crap you crap you win home you lose home and away so it's not really a, a headline stat with West Brom but for us the home record thing is is a, a strange thing to lose three home games in you know we you know we do polls uh, in match club and pretty much everybody thought we were going to win those three games and they're three games that are ripe for the picking we're not nailed on to win any game by the way but uh, if we fancy them these are games that we you know to lose three of them on the trot can you read into that in terms of where we're going this season? I don't know about necessarily where we're going. I think it probably gives you an insight of maybe where we're not going. <laughs> it, can, it can only be what you said. It's it's when we have to be the aggressor, for want of a better word. Uh, we just It just doesn't work for us. I mean, it, we want to go out there and show what we can do against teams, but maybe we'll have to wait until the, the time's right in games to do that. Yeah. Because we're I, not I controlling games. I mean, I think we we picked off Liverpool, we picked off Arsenal, and in these games, our midfield, while it looks great on paper, cannot dominate and control a game and and just batter teams, you know, into submission. Not with the ball. We're not, you know, we're not Man City. We're not Liverpool, and not many teams in the Premier League, Premier League this season are. You know, most teams are better with the ball than without it. Um, but we're just we don't our game or our success in our game isn't built around stringing you know 20, 20 passes moves and then finishing it off we're about dynamism and getting from back to front very quickly i mean that was the, you know the, the goals at arsenal were were testament to that you know the, the the first goal actually was quite a rare one for villa that we actually worked the opportunity well but a lot of that came from barkley um but the other goals a lot of the time it was on the break it was being dynamic the the, the games against liverpool it was always you know Pick the pick the ball off the opposition, get them in transition. Liverpool's high line, we just we know we battered them. That was a very strange game. The Leicester game, where you know, the goal came in the transition. So I think it's when we have to, teams know that when we have to get on the ball and open them up, they can just sit deep. But they know we're going to push on a little bit, maybe too much in the middle of the park, and then we leave ourselves open. And speak, and I mean, in terms of in speaking of open, I'll slip in the the, the way we we handled. Um, Lamptey until he got sent off. I mean, I, you know, if you just said on sixty minutes it's going to be Lamptey who's getting sent off over Target, I think everybody would have been surprised by that. Yeah, he had a good game, uh, Lamptey. You can, you, can, you can see uh, up close and personal why he's getting uh, the ratings that he did. I would. I don't. I think it's a bit harsh to get sent off there. I think. I think it's just a bit sort of naive. You sometimes get it with young players, don't they? When they they kind of jump in and do silly things. I mean. Speaking of silly things, you know, Target getting involved in, you know, with in a bit of afters with uh, with Malpai is only ever going to end in one thing, and Malpai yeah. just just Malpai's doing him, it on purpose. Yeah, as well. he sucked mm-hmm. him in completely. But Lamptey, uh, I think if that happens before he got a yellow card, I don't, you know, if that was his first transgression, I don't think he even gets a yellow card for that. Probably not. No, 
because it was like, oh, he's off. And, and then you think, oh, hang on, I need to see the replay there because I, I, I didn't think he really did anything. It's kind of a 50-50 ball. It's not as if he was malicious in any way. And it'd actually been a really good play. He didn't deserve it. And, you know, you think you, yeah. get, you get the lifeline of a red card. You think, well, keep your red card. Just give us the penalty. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Yeah. So, talking about the penalty that never was I mean I don't even know the rules anymore is clear and obvious a thing anymore it's meant to be the way they've changed it because the way that I mean the way it wasn't given was uh, I think Trezeguet doesn't help himself I mean if you look at how Grealish gets fouls he gets his body in in front of the ball or a part of his body in front of the ball and he takes the foul you know he plays for the foul but he constructs it if you know what I mean he's not diving like uh, like uh, he's in Swan Lake or something but Trezeguet, as soon as I saw it, I thought he's diving there. We're not, we're not getting there. When we got the penalty, I was surprised, but only just because of seeing uh, Trezeguet's animation. And then when you see the replay at normal speed, it looks like he's clipped him. And then you're thinking, well, the ref's given it here, unless it's 100% not a penalty, and it's a VAR decision. But obviously they've brought in the thing where VAR is basically saying you should look at it on the screen, which uh, I suppose is kind of fair enough but it's still like clear and obvious and 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 that just that creates a big gray area yeah i mean i've looked at it i don't know how many times and i keep trying to think to myself if that's mings making that challenge what would the villa reaction be online what would the villa reaction be everywhere are we going to hang our hats on that he got enough of the ball whenever whenever he threw his foot in there that that everything that happens after that is just null and void or are we going to take it in the chin that he brought the guy down because he was going to he would have been round him and had a shot. I mean, I, I just don't know, which is, again, what it says. It's it's the reason that it shouldn't have been overturned because yeah. if, if the referee doesn't give it and makes the ball sign, Villa just go, all right, he must have got the ball and carry on with your lives. But the fact that he gives it, then this is where VAR comes in and you go to yourself. There's not enough in that to overturn it. It's, you know, you don't even... There's no no need because the VAR, the VAR man should be looking at it and going mm, it's a bit fifty fifty this and you, you that's when you basically let the referee's decision stand don't you 
Yeah. As Phil said, and I agree. I think if he doesn't give it and you see the replays and you think, oh, there's a tiny bit of contact there, you go, well, we're probably just a bit unlucky there. He's got a tiny little nick on the ball. But if there's a, a bit of contact on the ball, fair enough. I think if it's outside of the penalty area, he gets a little nick but goes through the player. You don't, you know, nobody bats an eye that, oh, it's probably a foul. The fact that it's mm. you know, the 90th minute and it's just another little thing that added to this just isn't our day. You know, just just things aren't going to go for us. And I, and I, I said it a few times that when, when, you, when you put a performance in, like say we did against Liverpool you deserve the little breaks like you know we got a couple of goals that were deflected but you think when you play that well you deserve the look you're going to get you've earned it the Brighton game you just saw a Villa team had been wasteful in front of goal they'd been haphazard at the back they'd made a lot of bad decisions and you thought actually we don't deserve to rob a point here yeah I mean ultimately I wasn't like when I looked at it I thought you can see you know he got he, he did touch the ball and Trezeguet didn't help the situation to be honest and the only the only way I would defend it was this this is clear and obvious thing you know if I was saying it's not changing it it's saying I mean and this is the new rule obviously that came in the summer where VAR can say ah you, you perhaps should have a look at that when that's happened pretty much ninety percent of the time you know it's going to be overturned that's their get out of jail free card isn't it it certainly it certainly was there yeah. I don't know. If they think it's 50-50, then I think they let the referee's decision stand. But if they think, "Ah, actually, yeah, right, you know, you should have a look at it because we don't think. And that's why it's pretty much always given to, uh, you know, it's overturned, sorry, once that uh, call to look at the monitor has been made. Because it's not a kind of, ah, this is 50-50, you should have a look at this. It's like, yeah, it doesn't look right, does it? And so... The referee is just basically backing up VAR, isn't it? Yeah, I mean Smith after the game in his in his you know post match sort of said that the, the penalty decision is what it is, and it's a, there's a bit of luck involved there. But what had happened in the previous ninety minutes is what he's more concerned about. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. Which I think was a, a great stance to take that you know we shouldn't be relying on borderline decisions. It's this. We we should be in a position with the way we've been playing and the bar we've set ourselves now, and that's the challenge, and that's the the narrative surrounding Villa at the moment is they're setting the bar high, but they they're kind of yo-yoing back and forth between that and last season. Um, if, if if Villa had done enough to deserve, you know, to, to more than deserve a point, now if their goalkeeper had had a world deal, we'd peppered the goal or hit the woodwork, or whatever, you'd say we were really unlucky. But I don't necessarily think we were that unlucky. It was it was all of our own undoing while we lost. As you said, Smith was bang on the money. It's like, well, we had the chances. That's what I'm concerned about. I mean, it's not international break. He dismissed that because he said, you know, all teams have that same issue. I wouldn't say Brighton did. I mean, I don't look at their squad and think that's there's five or six, seven starters in their team who were away with their country. They weren't, so they were better prepared. But, but you know, let's just go with it. It's, it's not international break. We, you know, we had... Big hitters, Barkley, Watkins, and the f- the fact of the matter is that it's not the penalty. It wasn't international fatigue. Bottom line is Barkley going off. We didn't take numerous chances, and our, you know our defending at times uh, was criminal, and you know that was the reason why we lost ultimately. Let's draw the line there on the uh, post-match discussion and uh, let's segue into uh, a few questions from the mad few that we uh, answered uh, earlier on. People running scared thinking we're going to lose uh, 
Louise and Jack Grealish in the January window. I don't know what people have been drinking or, or taking, but that's not going to happen. But anyway, we've selected uh, five of the best and we will answer them now. Patrick O'Young asks, what do you think are our priorities for the January window? I would say cover for target and another winger, but would love to hear your take. Strength in depth. Wait, what's, what's the priorities? Depth. specific because we're not going to burn a load of cash we said in uh, episode 2-2 that uh, Perslow said that we almost to quote almost got all our main targets uh, I put forward that maybe uh, Callum Wilson might have been uh, the missed one because it looked obvious that we needed another striker but now you know we've also now seen footage of Wesley uh, kicking a ball now so he looks like uh, potentially could be back January I think if Wesley's back, I could see us not spending any money in January, to be honest. Yeah, because suddenly you're in a position where you've got Heaton and Wesley. They're too proper. You look at the bench and, you know, instantly that's uh, their proper, let's say, first team squad, match day squad players yeah. there. Midfield, I, I think, yeah, I can't. I think, as it, we it said will, in episode. It will depend on injuries. I think it will depend on what we're doing. As yeah. I said in episode, the, the you know the episode we just put out, that uh, we will see at Christmas when we're talking into a turkey where we will be. And I think that may, if we're in, let's say we're in the Europe, you know, devil's advocate, we're in the Euro spots. I, th- I can see them going right. Let's let's you know let's roll the dice here. And so we might get something. But if you get if you Wesley's coming back, and as you say, if we've got no injuries, and Wesley comes back, Heaton's back then you might see uh, them playing out the season and there wouldn't be, unless they got somebody lined up that maybe they did miss out on in the summer, you know, you, you wouldn't be surprised if it was just one player coming in. Yeah, it'd be, it's difficult to improve what we've got now without spending a lot of money. Yeah, that is one problem. I mean, we don't have strength and depth. That is a given. That is uh, where the uh, question mark appears in terms of, because uh, we've got a very set first 11, a couple of injuries away of, you know, suddenly being very compromised. Yes. So if you if you were getting one, let's say two, if you were getting two positions in, what would you get? Uh, I think. Probably a forward and a left back. So you agree with Patrick in terms of target cover? Yeah. I'd probably get a defensive-minded midfielder and a striker. I'd probably still go for a striker, Wesley or not, and yeah. maybe a winger, I would say. Yeah, or, or a striker who can play out on the wing, to be honest. Or, or a left-back that can play up front or on the That'll wing. That'll do, yeah. <laughs> and in goal on, on a good day as well. A nice well. utility player. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's move on. Uh, Christopher Matthew asks, do we really want Jack performing as well on the international stage. I think the tr- last transfer window, clubs knew he was a great player, but couldn't justify the money as none needed him. Now it might be a different picture as he's showing he can dislodge any player in any of the top teams. He's just signed a new massive deal. That just, deal's just pretty relax. solid. Centre of attention at Villa. Managed to get in the England team, no problems. Doing well at England. Villa actually in the mix as we speak this season. He's not going anywhere January, so do not click on any fucking links connecting Jack Grealish to any other football club in January. It's not going to happen, and I don't think it's going to happen in uh, next summer. But we'll see how Villa go this season, but there's a real opportunity to do something. Right, next uh, question. Adam Braley says, what do Villa need to do to be seen as a 
big Premier League club. Would finishing in the top six do it or top half and winning a cup? Just wondering where the tipping point is, which will then allow us to keep and also attract talent. Okay, I mean, going back to me supporting Villa as a kid and adolescence, etc. You know, it was always Villa were a club that should be challenging for Europe. And I think that is where where the aim is to be uh, considered a big Premier League club, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, you've got the big six, but you can be in and amongst it and challenging. You know, Everton haven't been near it, but they're still considered a big club. I'd rather Villa were a, considered a successful club than a big club, though. Well, I mean, to be a big uh, stroke successful club, you've got to have a few years of uh, yeah, being it's, it's, in the, Yeah, it comes from Qualifying for Europe. I mean, like, for example, Leicester, are they a big club? No, I'd say I'd, no. I'd always class Leicester as being... They were, they've had a successful period, but they're not a big club as an entity. While Villa could still be considered... A, if they had a couple of years where they were, you know, getting into Europe and in doing stuff... They could be considered a big club because you know we we do have that gravitas and we're from a, you know one of the major cities in the country. Yeah. So yeah, you just got to get it right on the pitch. That's the starting point, and away you go. Because you know, even when we've been crap, we've been getting into cup finals in the last five years. Yeah. So it's not as if we've been complete write-offs. Yeah, we've managed to get in and amongst it even when we haven't really been particularly deserving of it. Yeah. So hopefully, if we uh, do click in and start challenging uh, top six European places we will still get into cup finals and uh, and we've got a team now we, you'd fancy us we'd have a chance in a cup final more than we had when we played Manchester City last season and more than we played when we played Arsenal we've yeah. now got a team that you think oh yeah you know if if they click they could beat anybody yeah as but we've the fact, already the fact, proven yeah the, the fact it's been 20 years since we've won a major honour though is is not a sign of a you know, a big successful club. So that's something that we 24. need. Yeah, we're going to need to get that off our back as soon as possible, really. Yeah, it's disgraceful, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. You don't want to turn into Newcastle? Or Everton. Or Leeds. I know they won the league, didn't they? <laughs> uh, Sam Mitchell says, does anyone actually know the specifics of the Louise buyback? Do you guys think, assuming they have good euros a top 10 place would keep our best players uh i, I think louise it's a two season thing is it not that by apparently yes yeah. apparently so uh, i didn't expect him to go this season if he's going to go back to manchester city it will be uh this summer although if you saw rodri against germany um you wonder how much today you will need him in a couple of years well i mean will they need him this summer that that is the question I'm not that convinced. I don't. In terms of, uh, you know, they can go out and buy anybody. It's whether or not he wants to, you know, stay where he is and be one of the main men, or go there and be, in reality, a bit part player. And also, we don't know sacrosanct what that contract says in terms of that yeah, buyback. Exactly. exactly. So it's hard to speculate without knowing the minutia of the actual deal. Yeah. Uh, would a top ten place keep? Uh, would it keep our best players? I think. Uh, as long as we're taking scalps and... Uh, and being competitive, you, yes. You can define top 10. I mean, you can be scraping middle table top 10 or you can be doing what we're doing at the moment, which is uh, cracking a few heads and uh, looking lively and looking full of potential where you think, oh, yeah, if we had a couple of pieces to this, we would have a Europe, you know, Europe challenging team. Yeah, if players buy into where the club's going, then you stand a chance. Because we might see that in January. If we are up amongst it, and you and as I said, you you know you you think well we might as well roll the dice here. Players will also 
be attracted to the possibility of us, you know, qualifying for Europe. But, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We, as we say, we, let's, let's see what happens in the next couple of months. Another big thing in keeping players and, acqu- and acquiring new ones will be where we go in terms of our wage structure. Yep. Steve Fletcher asks, how much is Barkley worth? Will Chelsea sell? Will we outbid potential buyers? Well, at this stage, we don't know. Uh, I mean, it's only been a few games. I mean, this is the problem with football now. Everybody gets hyped so much. Barkley has a couple of good games. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You might get injured. One hundred and eighty. He might lose interest. He might be the greatest player we've ever seen at Villa Park. He may knock Grealish out of the England team (laughs) (laughs) cue hate mail so it's it's hard to uh, say I mean this is one this is the double edged sword here is uh, and if you if you if every Villa fan if we all had a hive mind and we all communicated together in terms of our social media activity we would play Barkley down and we would say yeah he's all right you know he, he helps make Grealish the player he is but he's all right and if you kept it that subdued you 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 know you keep him on the low down and it because everything all hype feeds into it media pick up on it they see what fans are ranting about and so they get onto that because they know they're going to get clicks and hits if they just replicate it you know it's like exactly what happened Grealish uh, in England you know Grealish has a decent games and then suddenly it's the big hype train starts and it's the greatest thing ever when he's actually been playing better for Villa than he did in any of those games he played for England so the Barkley thing it's a bit I mean he's, he has a value already does he not and he still yeah. has uh, seasons on his contract so he has a certain value which is not cheap at the moment uh i think if we were buying him today i think villa could afford him but you've you know you've got the situation about the you know the wage structure would he be taking a drop would the player himself go for that buy because you know chelsea he was a top player bought by chelsea he's going to be on crazy wages so you know we'll we'll see how it pans out it's also a lot of a lot of it plays a big part of it is what chelsea have got in their squad in midfield at that time of selling as well. And ultimately what he wants to do. Yeah, but if Chelsea have got room for him, then, uh, and he has a value to them, then, you know, the price is going to go way up. But if he's like, fuck you guys, and they're like, well, we don't need you anyway, then it makes it a bit easier if he wants to join us. Obviously, they'll, you know, they're going to make some money. Ultimately, they'll win. But as long as he's doing it on the pitch for us, you know, it's it's money at the end of the day. I think either way, in terms of if if you're asking for just a number, I think you're probably looking in the realms of record transfer fee. Oh, for Villa, yeah. Yeah. At least 30. Yeah, 30, 40 is kind of crying out. Uh, but that's if we get him in this, this summer, shall we yeah. say. I don't think he, I don't think if he has a decent season, he, was gonna, he, he would look at another club. I mean, if Villa wanted him and Chelsea wanted to sell, I think we would get him. Yeah, but... if, he, if he's happy, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if Grealish is there and, you know, Mings is in the England team, he's looking at Villa and if we finish, let's say, top eight, top eight for sake of argument, then... I think that he's looking at that thinking that's enough for me to kick on because these these guys could potentially do some damage. Yeah. I mean the fact that we ransacked Liverpool and Arsenal this season is is a big plus for he's thinking is he's at the right place already. So that there's yes. a there's a good start. Andy Wilf Williams asks who are the most underrated players in the current first 11? Conzer and Target for me. Our son Trezeguet. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good call actually. I I think Grealish. I, I mean, I don't think people <laughs> people give him enough credit on social media, really. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I think they they need to give him more credit. <laughs> Uh, I think, I, I, I'd say I'd say yeah, Cons is a good shout. Yeah, I think based on Project Restart, as yeah, Dean Project Smith Restart and his, imp- and his improvement and and, and what this he season, could, yeah, and what he could yeah. go on and become. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a question from Andy Williams: Would it be an issue if John Terry was to be offered the manager's job elsewhere now that we have Shakespeare? No, nope. no, no, I don't think so. No. Nah. I think John Terry's here while he's here kind of thing. It's uh, it's always like he was learning his his trade. I think he's probably become more I th- I think if we didn't get promoted then I think he might have started to tire of it. But I think he's become more a part of the furniture as we've gone on, but I've always seen him, you know, it's not it's not going to surprise me if he suddenly disappears because it's the no, natural when the right, step. No, when the right yeah, when the right job comes along, he'll I'm sure he'll be in, in the hat for it. Yeah, I mean when it's like, yo, uh, Barnsley or uh, Bristol City, or I don't think that's a John Terry move actually, because I think he's learning everything. He's looking at Lampard now, and he's thinking he's gone straight into that bloody Chelsea job. I'm not bloody doing you know three years at Barnsley or uh, no, Bristol no. City or whatever. He's 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 doing his learning at Villa, and then he, he'll go and get a big job. Yeah, he'll be looking for a big job after us. So he's not going to uh, being a number one. I mean, he would have looked at Lampard and think why why would I be a number one at a crappy club now that because I you know I've learned everything here and I, I can hit the ground running yeah look at Gerard as well it would be seen as dead time I think uh but yeah and that was a good thing about Shakespeare is not only bringing like a winning wisdom and a Premier League experience but also he was that guy to fill holes if people disappeared as well mm-hmm. Liz Morgan says would you rather have top six Villa in stadiums without fans or relegation battle in stadiums with fans? I hate these questions, Liz. Oh, I hate these questions. I, I would go uh, top six Villa. Yeah, yep, so would I. I. I want my team to be doing well. Yeah. This, with uh, or without me. Uh, and then that means we're just talking about one season here, Liz. So I'm going for top six because the next season where I can go, we go, go and go and watch European games. Nice trip away from home as well. Yeah, I'm I'm going with the long-term benefits on on that one. Right, that was the uh that was a segment of questions. There'll be a bonus show for my Man said patrons with other other questions uh, that were answered as well. Speaking of patrons, thank you very much uh to both Robert O'Reilly and James Willie for signing up uh, in the last few days since the last show. And thank you also for those people who connected up, uh, existing patrons that connected up to Match Club as well. If you want to join us in Match Club for the next game against West Ham on Monday evening, please do go to uh, myomansaid.com and click on the patron link for more details there and to sign up and also get access to uh, the extra show that will uh, drop this week as well. Right, any uh, closing thoughts there? Yeah, my final point, I'll be, I'll be interested to see actually post-Brighton post how many days Smith does or has given the players off. I wouldn't expect to see them back in training before sort of Wednesday. Uh, well, yeah, some players, although I'd, I'd have the defence in for a, <laughs> uh, a few 
harsh drills, to say the least. And Trezeguet in for a bit of shooting practice as well. Right, please do subscribe to the show uh, if you listen to uh, it on Apple and Spotify. Also, it's Black Friday this Friday, so uh, I think they, you know it stretches over a week, doesn't it? But uh, go to myomansaid.com and check out the shop for the latest codes. Hopefully, they'll uh, they've they've been a bit naughty because. Uh, They've withdrawn like the home shirt, the away shirt, and they've been very selective of what they've done on discount. But hopefully, they'll push those through on uh, at least for twenty four hours on uh, Black Friday to help people uh, with their Christmas shopping. But anyway, check that out and see what's happening. Uh, nobody knows until it's live on that day. All right, thank you very much to uh, Phil and Chris for joining me. And until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.